Jack, Dave, happy Sunday. Happy to be with you here today for a special episode of Unbounded Conversations when we're all on the call and there's no other guests because you guys are the, are the guests. I'm uh, excited to learn about uh, Nifty Jigs. So tell us about it. Well, I think we've got to answer the most pressing question, which is, Zach, what are you wearing on your face? I am wearing my blue light blocking glasses, something that has been a staple in my life since, you know, when we met in college, Jack. And these glasses help to block out the blue rays of the sun and the screens in front of me. So I'm able to, you know, relax and uh, be, uh, be my best self. It's also a fashion choice because my glasses are blue light blocking and they look a little bit more, uh, more standard. Well, what I would say is that glasses that don't look like this might block some of the blue light, but not all of it. You need that like full covering and the full orange to get the, the 100% in my experience. But, you know, I understand the, the trade-offs we make for, uh, you know, fashion. Well, it's a great look. All right. Well, getting into the real question of the day, I guess, is what are Nifty Jigs? So a very wise man once told me that if I'm releasing a product or talking about my business, I should always be the something of something, you know, so the Uber of home gardening, for example. And with Nifty Jigs, what I would say is uh, Nifty Jigs are the bicycle cards of NFTs. Who are, uh, who is the wise man? Uh, the wise man there are, there are many wise men who have made this sort of statement, but the wisest of them all, I would say, is um, Mike Hennessy, yeah. a lead advisor at Amanda Capital. Um, yeah, so as, as everyone who's listening knows, NFTs have recently become kind of a craze. And just so we're all talking about the same thing, as I've had a lot of conversations about NFTs lately, and I've found that um, a lot of times when people say NFTs, they mean something different. So how are you using the word NFT, Jack? Yeah, so for us, NFT, you know, NFT always stands for non-fungible token. And I think a good sort of more relatable definition is unique digital properties. And Nifty Jigs are certainly that. They are digital properties that give you various sort of digital rights. They can be sold uh, like property and they are each unique. So one Nifty Jig does not equal any other Nifty Jig. They're each fully unique. So how does Nifty Jigs uh, differ from all the other NFT protocols and companies and products uh, that have been starting lately? Yeah, so a lot of NFTs are either art, sort of like one of a kind things, or a certain type of collectible. That's been the kind of the dominant use case for NFTs. What we've built is more like a platform, or I, I would even call it like a distribution channel that's based on NFTs. And here's what I mean. So I said that we're the bicycle cards of NFTs. And I think bicycle cards is a really good metaphor because bicycle cards are kind of like their own distribution channel for games. You know, so bicycle cards, they're not a game in itself. You know, there's no game that is this 52 card deck, um, but it's, a tool that you can use to create all kinds of games. And it's a really good tool because of, for a few reasons. One is that they're really common. Lots of people have a 52 card playing deck, which means that if you create a new game 
or you know a bunch of games that you can share with other people, then that's very valuable. But also they have kind of the right level of information to create a lot of different kinds of games. So bicycle cards, they don't tell you that much. There are 13 ranks, two through ace, there are four suits. And so you have some kind of logic about which you can construct games. But you could think of comparing like bicycle cards to something like magic cards. So magic cards, they have a lot of information that's very specific to Magic the Gathering, which means that it's kind of hard to actually repurpose that information for a different game. So nifty jigs are more like bicycle cards in that they're more of a vehicle to create other types of games. And they serve well as that vehicle because they have very little information that's sort of foundational to nifty jigs. Each nifty jig only comes with essentially one piece of information, which is a unique serial number which is based on the order in which that nifty jig was created. So the first nifty jig ever is serial number zero and the millionth nifty jig ever is gonna be 999999. Um, and I think distribution channel is a good word for it because nifty jigs are a way of distributing games of a certain type to a large audience. And so our goal for nifty jigs is similar to a game like Magic. We wanna have many, many players, millions or even billions of players who have their own set of unique nifty jigs. And then that becomes a really fantastic distribution channel for putting all kinds of games and applications in front of this set of users uh, where these nifty jigs are really well suited to creating different kinds of games that require unique sets of property. So like with bicycle cards, you're talking about a shared set of property. So every deck of bicycle cards is the same. And most games that involve bicycle cards involve every player with like an equal chance of getting every combination. So like in poker, every player has the same odds of getting every hand. Nifty jigs are different. They're more like magic cards in that sense. And that the point is that everyone comes to the game with a different set of property. And so, like a game like Magic the Gathering is cool because it's not just the gameplay that's the strategy, it's also getting the right property. So most Magic players, maybe they're playing with a 60 card deck, but they might easily have thousands of cards. And over the lifetime of playing, they figure out of these thousand or more cards that I own, what are the best combinations to actually compete? Uh, and so Nifty Jigs are much better for those types of games and applications than something like bicycle cards, which is actually, I think, a sort of smaller and simpler set of games. And the, the other thing that's different about Nifty Jigs, which is under the hood, is that they're built on Bitcoin SV. So that's like a more technical thing that end users won't need to care about, but they will care about it because this wide range of utility and all, all sorts of use cases that can come that leverage Nifty Jigs or Nifty Jigs are used games and applications, applications that they're used in will require a certain level of scalability. So we built our nifty jigs, the, the word jig is derived from the run protocol, which is the name for their objects. Um, so this is built on top of run, which is built on top of Bitcoin SV. Um, and I think you know that's gonna have major implications down the road. Like I said, not a big deal for end users, um, but it is a big deal if you want to do fun things with your items rather than just resell them later or look at them or have them in one application that's really not doing a lot of interacting with other other games and apps. So what are some of these fun things? 
So the first thing, so like Jack, you know, compared it to bicycle cards. So we're releasing the deck of cards and we're releasing poker or whatever. We're releasing the first game alongside it. So this game is going to be called, or it is called Hash War. It's currently in development where we're playing it on paper. Um, but this is a, a deck building game. That's kind of like a Magic the Gathering style game, uh, but it's themed around flat hat hackers uh, and kind of Bitcoin mining. So it's kind of a good inside baseball game for Bitcoin uh, Bitcoin fans. And it'll be the first application that, or unless someone beats us to the punch, it'll be the first application that uses nifty jigs. So right off the bat, you can, you can buy a jig or a pack of jigs and uh, shortly thereafter start actually using them in gameplay. Yeah, and like I was saying, nifty jigs are really great for any kind of game that requires a unique set of digital property. So deck building games are a really classic and extremely popular example. You know, magic cards have been doing in various forms, billions of dollars of revenue for decades now. Uh, but there's all kinds of other games that require unique sets of digital property so this could be things like digital pet games. Uh, these could be things like passive games like Farmville, where each farm is unique. Uh, avatar games where you're sort of taking a character that you play as and developing them over time. Um, and these sorts of avatar games can also involve other types of digital property, you know, items that your avatar holds. Um, even something as simple as like a lottery involves having a set of lottery tickets where they're distinct, which means that only some tickets end up being the winners. Uh, and really there's all kinds of games and applications that can map into this sort of world of everyone's coming to the gamer application with their own stuff, essentially. So what, what motivated Unbounded Enterprise to be going in on Nifty Jigs? Because I know upon launch, like the focus for the company is being a transaction processor. So I think uh, this move took a lot of people, including myself, by surprise and would love to hear more, more about it. Yeah, I think, sure. I mean, well, I'll start and then Jack can add on to the end, but a lot of what we're interested in is what are the infrastructure challenges faced by developers on Bitcoin that are trying to build interesting things today? And we have a lot of ideas about, we have a lot of theories about what Bitcoin can do and what it's designed for. Uh, one of those things is interoperability of data, multiple applications referencing data. And some of that data will live on Bitcoin and we know that, but other data might live elsewhere. And there's all sorts of technical challenges that in practice we know, okay, with Bitcoin at scale, we can do all sorts of interesting things, but what is the actual process like? And what is the amount of friction that a developer has to go through to actually launch products like that? So this product and a lot of the games that use Nifty Jigs, we're gonna start to kind of be like, forging into what these problems look like and having to develop solutions and solutions that are, that we could find uh, an infrastructure product that will be widely useful out of it is, is a, a huge um, potential outcome of building games or consumer facing applications to be like, what are the infrastructure challenges that other people will face and how can we make, you know, navigating those, uh, those challenges a little bit easier. Yeah. You know, I think that when we set out with Unbounded Enterprise, our goal was to be a transaction processor, and it still is. And one of the problems that I think transaction processors are going to play a major role in helping to solve is separating 
kind of creating a separate layer for data that can kind of flow between users and businesses and applications in a way that today's data really can't. Uh, today, data is really kind of stuck with the businesses where it's created. It's very hard to move it. People have talked about user-owned data is the ideal. And I think that there, there's a lot of truth there that we want users who are creating data to be able to bring that data with them from application to application. But I think that really what we want is we want sort of a separate data layer that's not necessarily at the user layer and not necessarily at the business layer, but one that can kind of exist as its own layer. And sometimes control might be more with the user, sometimes control might be more with the business, but we have to have a way of getting data where it needs to go at the right time in the right form. And I think the transaction processors are gonna play a really outsized role in making that happen. And for us, Nifty Jigs, we think it's a really cool kind of compelling and interesting way of tackling that problem where each Nifty Jig is gonna have a different purpose and a different set of data associated with in every application. Some of those applications might share data, some of them won't. Some of that data is gonna change over time. Some of it will be static. And for us, if we can help games and other types of applications that you know, part of the reason for using games is that we're talking about new data that's not necessarily as important as the old data. You know, a lot of the old data are for businesses that have a lot on the line, you know, sensitive data like healthcare data, personal records, financial data. Experimenting on that stuff is not always going to be practical. With Nifty Jigs, these are all new games and they're games, or at least we think a lot of their early applications will be games. And so I think it's a much better place for sort of experimenting and trying to push forward this new way of having applications and users relate to their data. And I think that we'll get a lot more buy-in uh, and we'll have a lot, just a much larger community and a much larger set of data to work with by taking the path of something like Nifty Jigs rather than trying to sort of take an existing system and re-architect it uh, onto this Bitcoin-oriented system where you're separating data out from the existing layer where it's embedded. Yeah, and to be clear, you think that's going to happen. It's just that, you know, there's more fun, more experimentation, easier to, to make kind of the, the former happen. Yeah, I mean, I think that we can pave the way for ourselves and that's really the idea. When we want to pave the way for everybody, but you know, obviously we're a business with our own shareholders and we we want to be the ones who can solve this problem and help provide solutions to extract data from the layer it is now and create a new layer that's more appropriate for it. Uh, and we think Nifty Jigs is a way of helping us solve a very specific form of that problem so that we can create a more generalized solution for a time where it's more appropriate to bring that into existing verticals. Also, here's a, a simpler answer is Unbound Enterprise is looking to drive Bitcoin adoption and solve these infrastructure challenges. And NFTs are huge right now, right? And people are buying NFTs and looking at NFTs and asking about NFTs. People that I haven't talked to in a long time are coming out of the woodwork and asking me questions about NFTs. And right now you can't really do that much. Like there's cool viral things like uh, the NBA moments with Top Shot and stuff like this, but there's not that much to do with it. And just like, you know, kind of our thesis more broadly around crypto is you can do a lot of awesome stuff with Bitcoin and what people 
know today with DeFi and these other things is really just the tip of the iceberg. So, oh, cool, NFTs are hot. Let's show what people can actually do with NFTs when you have a really functional, scalable protocol like Bitcoin. Um, and what better time to do it than when NFTs are the, are the big thing? It's getting a little dark there. I had to turn on the lamp. Um, very much. What are either of your views kind of broadly on what's happening on NFTs? And I'll just share a little bit where I'm coming from here. I, I caught up with a friend of mine who used to work in the kind of fine art world for many years. And we were just talking about, you know, what we think the future of NFTs is. And I think uh, using the word NFT for a lot of people, it takes them away from like kind of what this innovation is, which is kind of like, the innovation originally with Bitcoin, which is just like the ability to know that like this piece of data hasn't been touched or altered. And that's really all that these NFTs are, right? They're just, you know, objects, pieces of data um, of which there is now, you know, significantly higher certainty on uh, like the history and the future of that data relative to solutions not on a secure blockchain. So within that framework, uh, you know, what he felt was that a lot of the, the kind of NFT craze now, which at least kind of by like monetary volume is around like putting existing art or creating new art that is not scarce and can be copied uh, and putting it on a, putting on an NFT that that can be copied effectively, even if it's not the, the NFT itself that is copied, but it's if it's the image or the video on that NFT that can be copied. Um, and we both kind of came away thinking that, okay, we think that the future of lots of types of content dissemination, not just in gaming, will be from objects that, uh, where it's provable that there's kind of just one or that only something has happened to this object. And I, I see nifty jigs within that, but what are some of the other applications, you know, outside of gaming that, that you see? And, you know, maybe what are your thoughts on, on you know, the future of NFTs that relates to art? Uh, so, what are, what are my thoughts on the future of NFTs as it relates to art? Um, you know, it's it's not something I had thought that much about until recently. And, you know, as I, as we were working on Nifty Jigs and we sort of decided, all right, the timing is right for Nifty Jigs. It was something that was on our roadmap for a lot longer, um, but we decided that the sort of stars were aligning for us to be doing this now. And because of that, I've really sort of immersed myself in the NFT world much more so than I have. And it's something that I think is clearly here to stay, NFT-based art. And it's because I don't think, I actually don't think it's really as much about scarcity as it is about sort of clearly delineating ownership and what you can do with that. I think there will be some applications where scarcity is becomes a part of it, where maybe like a specific piece of NFT art actually can't be viewed very easily by people who don't get permission from the owner. But I think there's a separate use case, which is just being able to very clearly say, hey, you know, this, this piece of art that you're all enjoying, I own it. It doesn't mean that you can't enjoy it. It doesn't mean you can't view it. It doesn't mean that the actual file itself is scarce, but it allows someone to say, hey, I own this. And I think art, there's always been like an element of prestige to art. And 
I think we live in a very prestige oriented culture uh, and we can look at sort of social media, I think is pretty good evidence of that or the way that people interact and care about social media. And so I think that digital art where ownership is defined using NFTs really fits well into this sort of prestige oriented world. And I also think that digital art is just a little bit underexplored in a sense, because there's a lot of things you can do digitally that you can't do on a canvas. And there hasn't necessarily been the kind of market incentive to get people to explore that medium. And a lot of the stuff that is being created is really beautiful and cool and just not the kind of things that like you could have done in prior formats. And so I'm, I'm just really excited about what kind of art will be created because of the ability to kind of create scarcity, at least around the sort of prestige element of owning. Uh, or you're, you're creating scarcity around prestige associated with saying you can own a piece of art, even if the art itself is not scarce. Yeah, and to extend that a little bit, it's also like what you're doing with the art. So I'm seeing a lot of like the vibe around NFT art to me is like very like fine art oriented. It's like, let's look at this and then like maybe I'll sell this later. But it's like you're not doing that much with the art. And I think either conscious or subconscious, that's partially because it's pretty expensive to do stuff with it if it's built on Ethereum or other blockchains. So I think like I was thinking about, okay, an artist can make a painting and um, someone could sell that painting. And it's, it is cool that on blockchain, you could have like that artist have a percentage of every resale and it's kind of just like embedded in things like that, but you could do way more interesting stuff with, so like we're making this, this deck building game and there's going to be artwork involved in that game. So it's like functional art in that like, okay, someone had to make the art for this card. Um, you know, we still have decisions to make on how to monetize our game, but somebody could make a game where each time you play a card, it's like a micro payment or, you know, that's, that's their, their monetization method is charging micro payments. And you can make it so that the artist that made the art for the card is getting a fraction of that every time it's played. And um, you know, who knows how Magic the Gathering is, is paying artists today, but that's like, a, that's a really interesting thing that's now possible because of blockchain and micropayments. So art on Bitcoin SV um, on Nifty Jugs is especially interesting just because of all these different ways that art could be used functionally. Yeah, Do you I think it also applies to other forms of content distribution like music? For sure. Yeah. yeah. You know, I think that part of what Bitcoin and blockchains can do is they can kind of unbundle data that was previously hard to unbundle. And so you can look at something like, hey, what art am I using on my cards? Is something that's not necessarily, it doesn't have to be a permanent feature of a card. So for example, mm -hmm. with like hash war, we could do something where, hey, these are the cards, this is how they work in the game. But as far as what art shows up on it, like you can choose what art to put on your um, card. Or maybe we have different artists can submit different things that players can choose. They can, they can scroll through their card and maybe there's 50 different art choices that they think are cool. And it's like buying a new skin for like your, uh, like your avatar in like a fighting game. Um, you can buy a new piece of art for your card in Hash War. And then potentially you could just buy that directly or like Dave mentioned, 
Um, there could be some kind of other revenue share out of other revenue streams being generated by the game. And so how do you actually make that happen? There's, there's a whole sort of data management story there. And those are the kind of things that we're looking to be able to provide to people who are developing either games or other types of resources like art for Nifty Jigs. Um, and I think that by pushing that forward, we can help bring that to other spaces. Cool. Well, I've definitely learned a lot about Nifty Jigs and NFTs today. Is there anything else uh, you'd like me and uh, the listeners to, to hear before we uh, say our goodbyes today? Well, I would say that we are going to be doing a pre-sale of Nifty Jigs, which means that we are basically selling the rights to the first million Nifty Jigs. And to get more information about specifically how that process happens, you can go to our website, niftyjigs.com. That pre-sale is going to start on Thursday, the 25th of March at noon Eastern. Uh, and the revenue from the pre-sale is going to, it's going to allow us to help get Nifty Jigs off the ground much, much more quickly in a number of ways, including starting to get other types of game developers interested in the network that we're building by showing them, hey, here are these people who think that this is a really awesome idea. Um, they've, they've already sort of, it's like, it would be like pre-selling a PlayStation 4. You know, Nifty Jigs are more like a gaming console than they are like a game. And so if we're PlayStation and we're trying to get people to create games for PlayStation and we've pre-sold 100,000 PlayStations, then the game developer is gonna be much more likely to want to build a game for PlayStation. And so this is sort of our pre-selling our game console in a sense to fans of ours and people who are interested in what we're building and wanna see it come to fruition more quickly. And so if you're interested in what we're doing, then I would definitely say check out the pre-sale. You can learn more at niftyjigs.com and that's happening on March 25th at 12 p.m. Eastern. Also check out information on Hashwarp, which right now is living on the niftyjigs.com website. Um, and if you're interested in that game and would like to get ready to play that game, we also sell packs of Nifty Jigs. So you can have your full, you know, a deck um, for playing our game uh, and then potentially other games that are gonna be kind of made in that, in that style as well. So uh, we'll, we'll have a website for that with more information out soon, but for now, the uh, initial information is on the niftyjigs.com site. And you guys, you know, are Unbound Enterprise on Twitter. Is there a Nifty Jigs uh, Twitter address yet? There's at Nifty Jigs, and Nifty Jigs, by the way, is spelled N-F-T-Y. Uh, not much coming out of that account yet, but give it a follow, and it's going to start uh, tweeting and other sorts of things soon. Well, Jack and Dave, always a pleasure. Uh, have a wonderful day. You too, Zach. Thanks for having us on. Thanks.